All right, welcome to 1530. This is our third episode. We wanted to discuss um, a couple things today. We wanted to first talk about ELO ratings and how those apply in tennis. Then we're going to go through and talk about a few of the young next-gen players, in quotes, uh, such as Tsitsipas, Zverev, and Kyrgios, and talk about their games and the stats behind their games and how we can see their rise. They're starting to to be big in the in the tennis world, starting to take some of those titles. So first off, I want to talk about ELO. So ELO rating is, uh, it's not, it doesn't stand for anything really. It's just uh, the professor's name who came up with the system. So they used it to come up with relative skills of players for chess. Um, and the guy was a Hungarian American physics professor that came up with this. And you can really use it for any, really any sport, any uh, zero sum game. And so it's used successfully. Basketball has a pretty good ELO system, especially if you follow 538.com. They use their ELO to track what the best teams are and to get really good statistics for who they think is going to win the finals. It's usually pretty correct. Uh, baseball, football, they all have them. But I, f- I feel like with basketball, it's been, it's been pretty good. Tennis also has it. And so essentially what happens is each time a player plays a match, whether he wins or loses, so if he wins, he goes up a certain amount of points. If he loses, he goes down. And the amount of points he goes up or down just depends on who he played. So if he plays someone that is that is better than him and he beats them, uh, the differential of his ELO is going to be greater than if he just beats someone he's expected to beat. Like Federer beating a qualifier, he's not going to go up that much. But you still go up in ELO. Um, so it's pretty simple. Um, and just to kind of give you like a ballpark, so 100-point difference in ELO ratings implies that the favorite has about a 65% chance of winning 200 points implies 76%, 300 points implies 85%, and so on. And so when you're up to 500 points, it implies you have a 95% chance of winning. So it also gives you a good idea for, okay, how much, if this if this other person wins, how big of an upset is it? So it kind of helps to give you that, that statistical basis. Right now in the current ELO, just to give you some numbers, Nadal leads the tour with ELO at uh, 2,221 points. Better is at 2143. So you can just see just about 100 points or less than 100 points than Nadal. Djokovic, 2133. Delpo, Zverev, and so on. So we're looking at about the 2000 ish points uh, just to give you a ballpark. But yeah, um, let's let's talk about ELO. About, and Matt, what, what are some of its flaws? Why does, it, why does it not always work the best? Yeah, one major flaw uh, is that it doesn't necessarily take into account uh, injuries. Um, for instance, Andy Murray has taken a significant time off, amount of time off uh, recently. So, but it doesn't, there's no way to factor that into his ELO rating. So his ELO just doesn't change because he hasn't played anybody. And so he comes back on tour after being gone for almost a year mm-hmm. with an, an ELO rating as if he were playing still at his peak. And so... I was actually reading an article the other day. Um, this guy looked at uh, a lot of the, the top players who in the past many years who had taken breaks and found that their ELO rating actually overestimated their, their chance of winning by about 25%. And so that's one major flaw, one major frustration that you might run into with an ELO rating. Right. Good point. And I think we kind of saw that a little bit with Wimbledon, right? So Federer was the 
the pretty big favorite. He didn't end up winning. Djokovic was the second favorite. Chilich is the third favorite. And they used the ELO ratings to kind of do that. And Djokovic did end up winning, but maybe maybe it did overestimate his chances because, like you're saying, they still were kind of basing it off of the preformed Djokovic. Um, but like I said, he, he he got it done physically, mentally, was able to overcome. But, yeah, it's kind of interesting that I was shocked to see that he was the second favorite in that tournament. Yeah, it's interesting. I think uh, maybe I missaw this, but I think that Djokovic has, like, the highest peak ELO rating of pretty much any tennis player. So he does. And, and the peak thing, this is so interesting, right? It's where people get into, okay, who's the best player of all time? Well, does it depend on your amount of grand slams? Does it depend on your level of competition? Or a lot of people say, oh, Federer won a lot of his slams when there were, you know, the best person he had to play was Roddick or people like that. And so this, the peak ELO kind of adds to that argument. So Djokovic sure. obviously had to rise. There was the big four. He, he kind of had to, to win to get on top. He had to defeat Federer, Nadal, and Murray. And so for that argument, yeah, he would, uh, the peak ELO rating does reflect that. His level of competition was pretty, I, I think after that, I was just looking at it. It's like Borg, McEnroe, and then uh, Nadal and Federer are in there for their peak ELOs. But it's interesting right. to see, I mean, Federer peaked back in 2007, according to the peak ELO. But then it's like, okay, maybe greatest of all time is just like, he's been able to be so consistently good. Maybe he wasn't, didn't reach the peak with the best uh, competition, but at the same time, he's still playing great tennis at this age and competing for majors. So I guess it depends on what your definition of greatest is. Mm -hmm. I agree. It'll be interesting to see if Djokovic can maintain the way that Federer, Federer has. Yeah, definitely. See that. Definitely agree. All right. Well, let's look at uh, some of these young guns. So the I mentioned that the number five player uh, for ELO is Alexander Zverev. I believe he's ranked number four in the world right now. And he's playing some great tennis. I don't know if you're able to watch any of the City Open, but he was very impressive defending that title. It's it's one thing to win a title, win a maiden title, but to defend a title, that's pretty impressive. Um, and Alexander Zverev, I misspoke. He's actually ranked number three in the world. So it's Nadal, Federer, Zverev, Del Potro ranking. So he's ranked pretty high. Um, and yeah, let's let's just talk a little bit about his game and why why Zverev is playing super good, but also maybe why he's not living up in the majors. So. <laughs> yeah, as we as we talked about. So we we kind of were talking about this. Um, I pulled up some numbers here using ultimatetennisstatistics.com. Was able to compare all his statistics on serve, on return, and on kind of how dominant he is in the points comparing the Masters or any other match besides uh, a Grand Slam. So I did best of three compared to his best of five. And so we see a couple interesting things here. Most of the stats are pretty much the same. Um, he actually, but there's a couple glaring differences. The biggest one that I see is that you look at the break points and the, his break points, he's, uh, let's see, where's my stat here? No, it's 6%. He's, he's winning six fewer percent on his break points. Oh, there it is. Okay. Yep. So he's. He's just not quite getting it done in the majors. His serve, is, he actually aces 1% more um, in the majors. His, uh, and, and this is not just numbers. This is percentage because, of course, best of five, you'd, you would a have more number of aces. Um, but his second serve percent one is down 1.6%. That doesn't seem like a lot. But if you're a little bit more tentative on that second serve and he double fault, he's double faulting a slight amount more, the underdogs are going to be able to take 
take advantage of that and attack your big serve. I remember watching the French Open with Zverev, and there was a couple matches in a row where he was down two sets to one against people that, you know, he he definitely should be winning against, according to Elo especially. And he had to come back two sets to one down to beat them in five sets. Did that twice in a row. And then another match, he was not able to do that. So I think just getting himself in a hole too many times, I feel like it's mainly mental because, like I'm saying, his his numbers really do look very similar. But the numbers that matter are he's winning 6% fewer break points. He's winning a little bit less, second serve percent one. But the key is he's he's winning 10% less matches at the grand slam level, which is a significant number. Mm. Um, yeah. What do yeah. What are you seeing from this, Matt? What's, what's going on with Zverev? No, I was thinking the same things. I, I feel like slams are always hard when you, uh, when your name gets thrown a lot around a lot as uh, mm-hmm. rising talent or as peak talent. Um, I feel like that's just an invitation for opponents to come out swinging and to show the world that they can hang with that player. Um, uh, if you look at the stats that uh, when Zverev lost against Golbus in Wimbledon, Golbus hit 61 winners throughout the match to his 29. And so, I mean, you have to kind of take some of that into consideration. I know that's not just straight numbers, but it looks like Golbus was, was hitting the ball hard and he was hitting it well. Yeah. Um, but that is interesting. The fact that um, Zverev is losing, is what, winning 10% less of his matches in the grand in the grand slams, uh, I looked at like Federer and Nadal just out of curiosity to see what they're sorry they're yeah yeah I mean they're they're in the 90s for both of those numbers it's crazy and so yeah I don't know I I think you bring up a good point that uh, he's not winning those breakpoint chances that he has and so he's not able to put the pressure on his opponents in the slams as he is in in Masters or ATP 1000s. Yeah, they maybe, and 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 I, I think you said it best as well. Is just the expectation, right? So, last year when uh, Zverev beat Federer, now Federer was slightly injured. He didn't admit so until later, but he beat Federer pretty easily in the Montreal final. Um, and Federer heaped praises on him that he was a uh, one of the favorites going to the U.S. Open. Um, and I think, and then he ended up losing to Korich in, in a tight match. Not that Korich is a bad player, but. Like you're saying, I think it is kind of the expectations. He's like, okay, I've won now three Masters 1000s. And these Masters 1000s, as we know, have been completely dominated by the big three um, or big four, except for maybe last year when we had Dimitrov win his maiden one, Zverev won one. But regardless, I mean, he's beaten Djokovic in Rome. He's beaten Federer. Like you're saying, he's shown that he can show up for the big moments. In fact, Masters 1000s, I feel like in some ways are harder to win. There's fewer matches, and there's not best of five, but you have to play better people earlier, right? You don't get the advantage of playing qualifiers. Uh, there's point. very there's very few qualifiers in a it's Master 1000. So like I said, I think it's probably just the big stage, maybe something with best of five. His fitness does seem to be getting better. So I know that's an issue in best <laughs> of five, but uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to watch this guy because he is so fun to watch. He is. Um, and everyone says he's going to be a future slam winner. So hopefully it doesn't put too much pressure on you, on you Sasha, <laughs> but uh, – you have good things ahead of you, so. Sure. Um, yeah, so let's talk about another young guy that's been pretty fun. He's also pretty tall. Zverev 6'6". Um, this guy is only 6'4", so another one of these taller guys, but he he can move. He's got good movement. His name is uh, Stefano Tsitsipas. If you watch him, he's a Greek. He's only 19. He's the youngest in the top 50, so he's number 32 per ELO, or number 32 per the ATP rankings. 
For Elo, he's only ranked uh, 44 uh, at 19.23 is his Elo. He has a beautiful one-handed backhand. Reminds me a little bit about of Fetter. Um, he's he's only played four Grand Slams, so he hasn't been a pro for that long. But he made the round of 16 at Wimbledon this year. He he's just he's an amazing player to watch. I got to watch the uh, City Open match against Zverev. Zverev ended up beating him pretty easily, six two, six four. But that second set, six four, it was it was actually kind of tight. At five four, uh, he was just trying to serve it out, and it was. Uh, or excuse me, Tsitsipas was trying to stay stay alive and not get broken. And there was five deuces. It was a 15-minute, um, or eight deuces, excuse me, 15-minute game. Super intense. There was winners. And watching Zverev and Tsitsipas play against each other, it was it was some great tennis. Tsitsipas not only has the good baseline game, but he, he has some variety too. He uses uh, the slice well. He's not afraid to come to net to volley. Um, but more, let's, let's, let's get a little bit away from some of that some of the stuff on the surface. Let's talk about the stats here. So uh, 58% is his first serve percent um, on average. That was at Wimbledon. So that has room to improve. That's that's kind of lower. Uh, but he's winning 76% first serve points. And he's crucially, he's above that 50% mark that we want for second serve points when he was at 53%. Um, his aces per match are about the same as Zverev's at about eight per match. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if he tries to improve that first serve percent. Um, and if that's going to drop his ace number at all. So, he, I mean, he's serving, like we were watching the City Open, he was serving in 130s pretty consistently. So he's got a big serve. Oh, that's um, crazy. But yeah, but maybe just getting in a few more first serves might help him. The return game, it does seem pretty dang good. Uh, he just actually beat team yesterday. He upset him at the at Montreal. So I think he's a fun up-and-coming up player to watch. His results have been very good lately. Yeah, I agree. I uh I saw that he was in the same site of the draw in Wimbledon as Rafa was. I was nervous. Yeah. <laughs> I think it was, it was one of those tournaments. So, but he, he definitely has a very solid form, really nice shots. So, yeah. Yep. We'll just see uh, just, just mentally. There's a few like decision-making things just that I watched that we'll see if he can get better on, but serve, if he keeps it up and it keeps improving that slightly, he will be, Awesome. Um, I was looking at the ATP World Tour. They talks about the serve ratings for the different players. And the top few of our typical ones that we would expect, Isner, Fedders up there. Um, 15 through 17 on the serve ratings are Zverev, Korich, Tsitsipas. Um, so interesting that those young guys are starting to make up the chain. So curious, man. He's, had, he's been a kind of a basket case up and down. Uh, the ATP World Tour, he's ranked 17. But by ELO, he's ranked 10. So interesting. He's his ELO kind of shows that it's better than what his current ranking is. So maybe he's not living up to his full potential. Um, he's pretty close to Zverev, his, his ELO. His peak ELO was actually last year in 2017. Um, he hasn't been fully healthy this year, but stats-wise, um, he's not really actually having a down year. Um, he's maybe not winning. He's not maybe stringing as many matches together to win titles like he was in times past. But let's uh, let's take a look at his stats here. So, um, he's actually acing 4% more this year. His first serve percent is 1.5% higher. Um, he's winning almost uh, 2% more service games. He's getting aced on a little bit more, um, but his break points one is up 6.8%. That's huge. That's a huge difference. So then on, on his actual kind of more on the results side of things, so his breakpoint ratio is obviously 
greatly improved. He's winning 1% fewer sets, which is interesting, but he's winning 7% more matches, 7.4% actually. So interesting. I, you know, before I looked at the numbers, I would have thought Kyrgios is having more of a down year that he's not living up to his potential, but his serve on the serve side, he's improving pretty much all of his numbers. Return, maybe down on a couple things, but breakpoints is key, for, especially for him. He struggled in, in times past. So he's actually won 7% more matches. What, I, what I'm thinking is if he gets healthy, maybe he just needs to string a few more matches together. We could see him winning titles here soon. And I especially love him and Zverev uh, facing off. That's a, that's a really fun matchup. Yeah, he's, he's a fun player to watch. He gets really emotional. You mentioned that. I feel at least he hasn't walked off the court yet, right? <laughs> Recently. True. That's but, true. Uh, I, I think that's maybe his biggest problem. I mean, he's playing better, but I, I just think he gets too emotional sometimes and almost gives up on matches and to the point where he's like, well, I'm done. Right. And uh, I think that might be affecting a little bit his success. It's yeah. interesting to think about like Moneyball, Billy Bean. All he cared about was getting on base, right? You right. get on first base, and then you go from there. And uh, I think if Kyrgios were to <laughs> adopt a mentality more similar to that, let me just get this ball in. Let me get this point one. Let me get this serve in. Then uh, maybe he could be a little bit – live up to that potential that Azilo shows. Yeah. Who knows? No, I, I agree. Yeah, the, ment- the, 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 me- the mental side of the game for sure. In, and just even the focus, I think, like you said, like get the ball in – Let's stay in this, not worry about the bad call or perceived bad call that he had previously. I know umpires, he can get into it with them. Fans, he's even got into it with fans, unfortunately, and he's been fine for that. But yeah, we'll see if he can iron out some of those mental hiccups. But the game is there, man, especially on the serve. He's he's really tough to break. Um, He's pretty good on all surfaces, too. Even on clay, he's had some impressive results. Uh, But yeah, we'll see going into the U.S. Open. This is going to be pretty interesting. Del Potro... He pulled out of Montreal, so worried about him on his health. Um, obviously yeah, I didn't Federer, that. yeah, and Federer's not playing Montreal. Obviously, he's waiting for Cincinnati. He doesn't want to get too worn out like last year before the U.S. Open. So, any, uh, I guess, before we close, any thoughts on on favorites for the Open or interesting matchups you'd like to see? Uh, I I want to see all these young guns playing. I want to see them against the big four and see what happens. I'm always a fan of Rafa. Yep. Hopefully he doesn't kill himself at the end from just exhaustion and where hopefully he doesn't wear himself down. I guess that's the word I'm looking for. Yeah. Too much at the end of the season here. He was he was struggling by the time he got to the uh what is it? What's that? Finals it, tournament. Just the World Tour Finals. That's right. The World yeah. Tour Finals. Thank you. Yeah. At the end of the season. So it'll be interesting to see how they look and See if joke is if this is real, if his comeback's complete, or if that was a fluke of a tournament there at Wimbledon. That's what I was gonna say. I'm interested to see Djokovic's results, right? If it's an upset early, or if he's able to to win, you know, both Wimbledon and the U.S. Open. Um, mm. Maybe see if Federer can come back. He's he's been the best on hard courts since returning, but hasn't had U.S. Open success in many years. He hasn't even made the final since 2015. Before that, he hadn't won it since 08. So. Better set a draw. I don't know if that'll be turned around this year or like you're saying, maybe we'll see his Zverev. Uh, maybe, <laughs> maybe win a title here. Um, Murray's coming back. Uh, he's playing interesting. Stan, last night, I saw him have a comeback match um, and win it. That was pretty fun in a third set tiebreaker. It was 
That's nice. really awesome. So we'll see. Maybe maybe Stan. I don't expect him to win it, but we'll see if he can go deeper um, and start winning some of these matches that he's. Yeah, he's he yeah he lost a tight one at Wimbledon, so we'll see we'll see what he can do. Um, yeah, I I think that's uh, U.S. Open. It's always hard the last major of the year, right? With with injuries and with just with what's transpired through the years, sometimes it can be a little bit underwhelming, I guess, in some ways. Australian Open, everyone's ready to go because they've been training. They're usually pretty healthy, but yeah, the U.S. Open, we'll, we'll have to see what happens. It'll be interesting. It will be. All Let's right. What happens. Well, until next time on episode four, take care and we'll see you guys on the court.